Lord, we thank you for your presence here as we come to worship you today. And we pray that you would work within our heart. Help us to hear your word. Help us to respond with honesty and truthfulness. Lord, we are are the people you have chosen. We are your beloved. And so we come to spend some time with you now. And as we reflect upon your word, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So are you a very honest person? Are others very honest? Most people say that they are very honest, but only 15% of people say that others are very honest. And so obviously someone is lying, unless you live in Lake Wobegon where all of the women are strong, all of the men are good looking, and all of the children above average. The Lake Wobegon effect is, is actually a name given to the human tendency to see ourselves as above average when it compared to others. But the truth is, 60% of the people can't make it through a single day without telling at least one lie. And a study from the University of Wisconsin La Crosse uh, has found out who it is that we're telling those lies to, and it's your friends. 51% of all lies are told to our friends. Next uh, in line is uh, family, with 21% of lies, and then that's followed by school and business colleagues, and, and then total strangers brings up the rear. Now, most of these are little white lies, as they call them, the lies told not to, to offend someone. You know, like saying, Yes, Grandma, I loved your recipe for sauerkraut and anchovy casserole. <clears throat> or we tell lies to make ourselves look better in other people's eyes. You know, I used to bench press 400 pounds until I got this shoulder injury. You know, we tell, we tell lies, little white lies and others. And if we tell most of them to our friends and the fewest, to strangers, I wonder where God comes on that list. Are you totally honest with God? When you talk to God, do you use the words you're supposed to use or the words that actually express how you are feeling? Do you pretend that you're happy when you're not? That you're better than you are? That, that you love God more than you really do? Do you find yourself singing your love is better than life. And what you're really wondering is if God cares about you at all. Do you sing, great is thy faithfulness, when what you're really thinking is great? God, you've let me down again. Are you honest with God? Or are you afraid to be honest? And if so, why? Why are we afraid to be honest with God? God wants our honesty. In Psalm 145, verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, who all, for, to all who call upon him in truth. God wants us to be truthful. 
God can handle the truth. Besides, God knows it all anyways. Hebrews 4, 13 says, Nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God knows it all anyways. So why do we have such a hard time being truthful? Let's be honest with God in everything. Let's bring our real selves to God. For example, let's be honest about our sins. We don't have to pretend that we're sinless. God knows everything. It's kind of like, uh, like parents. You know, for example, one of the just-baked cupcakes is missing. Three-year-old brother is caught with the wrapper in his hand and chocolate frosting smeared all over his face. And mom says to him, there's a cupcake missing. Who took the cupcake? And our little junior George Washington looks her straight in the eye and says, I cannot tell a lie. No, no, that's not how it goes, does it? No. He looks mom straight in the eye and says, my brother took it. Even though little brother is not yet walking. And could in no way reach that cupcake. Now, Mom knew that all along, of course. She just wanted to give him a chance to confess his sin and take responsibility. That's all God wants from us. God doesn't want us to pretend that we're sinless, just to confess our sins. Like it says in 1 John 1, that God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He just wants us to be honest. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells this story. It's about a couple of people going to God in prayer at the temple. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. God doesn't need our pretend righteousness. God needs our honesty. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God doesn't need our pretend happiness either. So let's be honest about our anger and disappointment and hurts. And if God hasn't made you angry or disappointed or hurt, then you probably haven't been hanging around the God of the Bible. Because the Bible is filled with people honestly expressing their anger and hurt towards God. There's an entire book called Lamentations. Do you know what a, a lament is? 
A lament is a, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. It's an honest complaint when things aren't going well. Listen to the honesty in Lamentations 5 as Jeremiah pours out his heart toward God. God, why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old, unless you've utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. Have you ever felt like God has forgotten you? Have you ever felt like the good days are long gone and may never return? That God has rejected you? Uh, you probably have, but have you ever expressed it to God? Have you ever told God how you feel? Now, Lamentations isn't the only lament in the Bible. About a third of all of the psalms are actually psalms of lament. They're psalms that complain to God about a situation and beg God to intervene and remind God of how God has been good in the past. Listen to the honesty in, in Psalm 44. God, you made us look foolish to our neighbors and people who live nearby insult us and sneer. Foreigners joke about us and shake their heads. I'm embarrassed every day and I blush with shame. But others mock and sneer as they watch my enemies take revenge on me. All of this has happened to us. Though we did not forget you or break our agreement, we always kept you in mind and followed your teaching. Now, that's probably not correct. We know that, that the people had forgotten God. They didn't always listen to God, but that's how they felt. They felt like we've upheld our end of the bargain. God, how come you haven't? And they pour out honest expression here in, in Psalm 44. It finishes up this way. Wake up, do something, Lord. Why are you sleeping? Don't desert us forever. Why do you keep looking away? Don't forget our sufferings and all our troubles. We are flat on the ground holding on to the dust. Do something, help us. Show how kind you are and come to our rescue. Do you talk to God like that? You know, probably the most famous of all the psalms of lament is the psalm that Jesus recited from the cross. It's Psalm 22. You probably recognize the first verse. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cries that out from the cross. And every Jew who was passing by or standing there would know the psalm that he's referring to and what it said. Jesus uses a psalm to pour out his pain and his lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? so far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In, our ancestors, in you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people 
All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. And it continues. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax it is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dogs. Jesus not only spoke this psalm from the cross, but he lived it. Think of all those things. He was scorned, as it says. He was mocked. They said of him, let the Lord rescue him. He was poured out. He was thirsty. He was pierced in hands and feet, surrounded by villains. They gambled for his clothes. This is the crucifixion story in the psalm of lament. And in the midst of his suffering, Jesus feels abandoned by God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus went through everything that we go through. And we go through times when we feel abandoned by God. And so, so did Jesus. And he's not afraid to tell God that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if Jesus can be honest with God, then so can we. Once I was visiting the site where the Jewish temple stood in Jerusalem. In the time after Jesus, the Romans bulldozed the temple and sowed the ground with salt so that nothing would grow as a sign of anybody that would challenge the imperial power of Rome. And all that's left today is the retaining wall that encircled the top of the mountain where the temple was built. It's called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall today. And it's a, a holy site of prayer for the Jewish people because they believed that when the temple was destroyed, the glory of God that was in the temple then moved down to that western wall. And so that's about as close as you can get to God on earth. And they, they write little prayers on pieces of paper and they, they roll it up and they stick it in the cracks in that wall. And they come to that wall to pray and to talk to God. Like I said, about as close as you can get to God here on earth. And I was there one time and I noticed a man who was standing in front of that wall and he was having a passionate argument. His, his face was, was flushed. His, his body was, was tense. He was rocking back and forth and he was shouting out. And you would think maybe since there was nobody else in front of him, that he had an earbud in and he was talking on his cell phone, but he didn't. And an Israeli fellow that I was with turned to me and said, do you know what he is saying? And I said, I don't speak Hebrew, no. I don't know what he's saying. And he said, his son has died and he's mad at God. And he's telling God how angry and disappointed he is that God is doing a lousy job 
and isn't living up to his end of his promises. You know, I'd never seen anybody so honest with God about how they felt, at least not in public. But this man was following in the tradition of the Bible, in the tradition of Jesus. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Lord, why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us for so long? If that's the truth of how you feel, then tell God the truth. God doesn't need us to pretend. God doesn't need us to to pretend we're happy or pretend to be anything other than what we are. We can bring our authentic selves to God, our whole selves. And even if we're less than perfect, even if we're sinful, even if we're angry, even if we're simply just mediocre, I don't know why we think that, that God only accepts us when we're excellent, when we're above average, because God seeks us and loves us, warts and all. Even if you're below average, even if you don't live in Lake Wobegon, God wants the real you. And the real you is good enough if you bring your whole self to God. Howard and Loretta were uh, a wonderful Christian couple. They were faithful servants and supporters of the church all of their long lives. And Loretta loved music and the praises of God, and so she would, would spend a fortune to make sure that the choir had the best music and had anything that the choir needed. She also made sure that Howard never joined the choir. <laughs> she felt that he wasn't good enough and that his mediocre voice would ruin their worship. And so all throughout their years, Howard sat and listened to the choir, even though he loved to sing and praise God, until Loretta died. And then he stepped forward and volunteered for the choir. And Loretta was right. (laughs) Not knowing how to read music and not having practiced for 70 plus years, Howard was mediocre at best. The choir director gave me the assignment of sitting next to Howard and helping him to learn his parts. And it was rough at first. And it was rough at second and third, too. But eventually, eventually Howard learned the songs and he contributed to the choir and he he never became a Craig. But he hit most of his notes and, and yet he did so with such enthusiasm. He worshiped the Lord so passionately, even with his mediocre voice, that he became an inspiration for others of how God can use us just as we are, even less than perfect. Howard brought his whole self to worship. And it wasn't perfect, but it was enough. God doesn't need us to be sinless. He knows we're not. God doesn't need us to pull our punches and and pretend that everything is all right when we talk to him, because he knows it isn't. God doesn't need us to be excellent at everything or to pretend that we are because he knows the real you. What God asks is that we be truthful. What God asks is that 
that we be honest. So let's be honest. Because honestly, that's good enough. Let's be honest with others, yes, but, but especially let's be honest with God. On that list of who we tell lies to, may the very bottom one be God and not strangers. We don't need to tell God little white lies to spare God's feelings. God can take your honest thoughts and we don't need to tell lies to look good because nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. He already knows the real you. So let's be honest with God and it'll be good enough. Let's pray. God, I don't know why we we think we have to be something we're not when it comes to you. You already know everything. And you have loved us and made us your children in spite of whatever it is that we've said and done. Lord, help us to be honest with you. To express our pain, our hurt, our disappointment when we feel that. To express our joy, our wonder, our surprise when we feel that. To draw close to you and let nothing come between. To bring our real selves to you. Because we know that that's enough because of your great love. Amen.